This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Thursday, December the 1st. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. You can see the lovely faces of William Kerlick and Mark Porter here on the screen. We were not here last Thursday as it was Turkey Day. And then apparently there was some kind of athletic event over the weekend that took place. And not really sure what went on there, but we are still recovering. We're going to talk plenty about recruiting today. We're going to talk about the state championship games being held this weekend. We're talking about possible positives and negatives fallout from the game when it comes to recruiting. But first, Mark Porter every week goes to his eye in the sky in the film room for Ohio State. He did the autopsy, let's call it, that we posted on Monday. Generally speaking, Mark, when you go back and look, what went wrong, what went right, I have postulated that I think they missed a few plays in the first half, should have been up 21-3, to and were built to play from in front. When they had to play uh, straight-up smash-mouth football in the second half, they wore down, and um, the rest is history. Yeah, you know, when I played a coach a long time ago, and many coaches have said this, every game comes down to five or seven plays whether it's a fourth down you didn't get or an interception turnover. And when you go back and do your autopsy and you look at five to seven plays, you say, oh, if these plays were changed, Ohio State would be the easy winner. And every team does that when they go back and, you know, you obviously flip those plays to go in your way. So that's how tight of a game this was. But I tell you what, when you looked at the five, seven, whatever it was, plays that decided this game, they were decidedly in Michigan's favor. Uh, After watching them last year and watching Michigan again this year, I was a Niners fan, and I remember when Harbaugh was there, and I remember the days of the, the tackles at tight end and the defensive tackles at fullback, and them just saying to the NFL, if you want to go small and you want to play nickel packages and you want to have guys over there that run, we're going to go get cavemen, and we're going to come after you and smash you in the face. And with Colin Kaepernick, they made it to a Super Bowl. And it was a smash-mouth, Frank Gore style of downhill. I think he's finally accomplished that at Michigan where – They have the bigger offensive line. They have the more physical front, the tight ends and the fullbacks. And it it just looks like on passing downs, when they pass protect, they have manhandled Ohio State. They they stopped those defensive tackles from getting upfield. They widened the defensive ends and gave the quarterback a great pocket, uh, which, you know, everyone's faulting the defensive backs. 
You give any quarterback that third or fourth second in that pocket, and I can guarantee it, he's going to torture you on defense. So I think the defensive backs were a little bit a part of this offensive line that was so dominant. And in the running game, you see seven- and eight-man blitzes, and when our blitzers run into their offensive linemen, it's like running into a stone wall. They don't blow up the guy. They don't push him into the backfield. They don't defeat the block. These Michigan offensive linemen are for real. And if you want to look at a secret in this game and get away from all the skill guys and the running back that was missing, the consistent from this year to last year is great offensive line play, whether it's pass protection or run blocking, where Harbaugh may have that bigger physical front up there. And what's around it isn't as important if you know football. And, and I say this all the time, the hardest thing to find are those big offensive linemen and get five or six of them going. And, and we think Ohio State has that. And really, five, seven plays are different. We're talking about Ohio State in the same light, but it's two years in a row where physically Michigan's offense and I'll throw in defensive line have played really well. Did any Ohio State defensive lineman have a good game? You know, from the plays that I broke down and watching it, it didn't look like they had a great game. They may have had a great moment or a great play, more so in the first half, but when the chips are down in that second half, and, and I had to listen to the radio because I was driving to the game, but the announcers kept saying, this is the time we need someone to get a negative yardage play. This is the time we need someone to blow through into that backfield. And, and you could see the blitzes coming, and it just wasn't happening. I mean, the, 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 I'm telling you, these Michigan offensive linemen stepped in front of these guys and for two or three seconds handled them while the running backs leaked out. I mean, those runs hit clean. There was no one laying a finger on those running backs, and that's – that's rare and unusual in most games, let alone a you know second half of Ohio State Michigan game with the game on the line and you have to make a play. Uh, I just you know the, I hate to give another team credit, but when you you know you know me, I do a pretty dry evaluation of what's going on. And boy, that offensive line, that quarterback didn't get touched, that running back didn't get touched. I don't know how, I don't know who else to give the credit to. And and it wasn't like the schemes were exotic or. You know, they were the trick run plays, counter reverses, and you fooled somebody. They were turned around and handed to this guy, and, and, and credit to their tailback. He's fast. Uh, newsflash, he's faster than I think anybody expected. There were many nights I went to bed during his recruiting cycle where I thought Donovan Edwards was going to be an Ohio State Buckeye. So that's another story for another time. Let me ask you this. Did you think the offense in the first half was an execution issue? and drops and maybe Ohio State, or was it Michigan neutralizing him? Because I really felt at halftime Ohio State had really hurt themselves more than Michigan. I didn't have any fear in me in the first half. I thought the mistakes that Ohio State made were uh, dumb luck, Marvin Harrison's first drop. But as long as I've watched football, if you want the recipe for an upset, those are the things that come out of nowhere. You, you beat yourself on things that you haven't beat yourself before. It's, you know, I don't want to say there's a football god up there or some weird thing that happens, but there are games when teams that are clearly the favorite have unexplainable miscues, unexplainable things pop up on money downs or turnovers or fake punts that don't work or just stuff that's so not the norm that you scratch your head. But even with that in the first half, it was like they have control of this game. It wasn't until that late third quarter when I started to say, you know what, there's panic out there. And this Michigan uh, size is asserting itself where you're, you're trying to do something against it and you just can't do it. It's like the younger brother was fighting against the big brother and it wasn't going to happen. It was definitely brutal. Bill, there were a few recruits in the house. So we will weigh out 
you know, what they had a chance to see. But still, I would certainly hope that no recruit good enough to play at Ohio State would make a decision based on 60 minutes of football, but you never know. Can you bring us up to speed kind of now that the dust has settled from the weekend? Who did it help with and who did it hurt with? Well, I, I will start by saying something that I've heard Urban Meyer say, and I think he knows a bit about recruiting. It, it's it's harder to recruit after a loss. It makes your job more difficult. And, and I think that's the best way to put it. I don't think they necessarily, um, you know, well, we are they, we don't have a chance now at this prospect because we lost, but it, it makes it a little bit harder, certainly. Um you know, there, there were some great recruits there. There were a lot of recruits and some great ones. Um, you know, they had three kids on official visits. Um, the good news is there is that of the three kids on official visits, I, I, I like, I love their chances with Joshua Mickens, the defensive end, outside linebacker, uh, Jack position guy. Um, he then decommitted from LSU, has not made a commitment to anyone, but I love Ohio State's chances there. Um Noah Rogers was already committed to Ohio State, and he's still very committed to Ohio State. Um, you know, I think he's arguably you – know, you can make a case for Noah Rogers being the best player in his class. You know, and there are some great players, Brandon Ennis and all, uh, but he's a great player. Uh, the third one is the, the quarterback, Lincoln Kineholtz, and they did well with him. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, he is still committed to Washington. He's not in any big hurry at this point to make his decision. He's a basketball player. He's gone on to basketball now. Uh, after leading his team to a state championship, by the way, in an undefeated season, um, Washington, Ohio State, I expect to come in to see him in that week or so. And, um, you know, he's going to you know, really, really deliberate and evaluate things between the two schools. But very realistic chance he could end up at Ohio State. It's a almost a coin flip, I would put it at this point. Does he stay with Washington or flip to Ohio State? Um, so the official visits went well. Uh, uh, they had some big-time kids making unofficial visits, coming back. Damon Wilson, Caleb Downs, of course, are the two big names there. Um, I, I don't rule out Caleb Downs being a Buckeye, but I would not – Pick that right now. I think he's likely to stay with his Alabama commitment. That's the way I would pick that right now. David Wilson's an interesting situation. And I've talked to a lot of people about him uh, and both. Uh, I've talked to Ohio State related people and Georgia related people on Damon Wilson. And it's an interesting situation. Um, you know, I think Georgia has made up a lot of ground from where they were, say, a uh, a month and a half ago. Um, I think Ohio State still has confidence that they're going to get him, but I think there's some confidence too on the Georgia side that they still can get Damon Wilson. Uh, so we'll see on that. I think right now I, I would give Ohio State the lead on him, but as I said on my column on Sunday night, I've been told by more than one source, this is not over. He could end up at either school and I've been saying for a long time since he made his official visit to Ohio State, which has been a while ago, that it's going to come down to Ohio State and Georgia, and nothing's changed there. Interesting stuff. Definitely stuff we're going to have to follow up on. We're going to take a quick break here and come back and talk more recruiting. 
What's my time here? 11 minutes. Okay. We are back. There's some angst after the game because there's been some, uh, in the past few weeks, recruiting activity in Ohio for Michigan. And then uh, Luke Hamilton visited this weekend, the the 2024 offensive lineman for Avon, and committed to Michigan on Sunday after he did not get the offer on Saturday, and he was looking to commit. I guess you could both answer this. Has anything changed because of this? I, I wanted to note for people because there's some angst that none of the guys that have committed to uh, Ohio State, excuse me, none of the guys who have committed to Michigan that are from Ohio had an Ohio State offer. Do you think we should be panicking? Bill, Mark, what's your vibe? Mark, you can take that first. Um, no, you should never be panicked about stuff like that. But I tell you what, take notice. Um I, I obviously I deal with a lot of schools and I know coach Clinton scale. He's a young scout guy. He's up there at Michigan. They've made a concerted effort in the last year or so to come into Ohio and they haven't really got any traction. They haven't pulled really up in a playoff. They didn't get a player last year, but they tried. And I was up there at the Michigan camp this year and they had a bunch of Ohio guys there. And, and if you watch, you know, some of the pictures I see on Facebook, there's a lot of kids visiting it. Locally, uh, Youngstown Cheney has two players with Michigan offers, Waller and uh, player Hewlett that was committed to Cincinnati. Hewlett just committed, and I expect Waller to uh, maybe choose between Michigan and Kentucky, I think is what he posted yesterday. So they're going to get two kids out of Youngstown. They're going to start a pipeline here. They had the entire busload of Glenville kids up to their campus during summer. Uh, They're in with Freddie Johnson, or uh, right now the offensive tackle from Glenville. They are making inroads, and what makes you nervous is you saw Kentucky do it and you saw Michigan State do it where you don't necessarily have to take the player in Ohio that has the Ohio State offer. You can take that next best guy and make a run with some pretty good players. And you know what? I, I know Ohio State's going nationally. I think they would actually like some of these players if their board was down a little further. It's not like these are second-class citizens uh, Michigan's taken. So take notice because it's something that hasn't usually happened. And winning that game two years in a row – Luke Hamilton's the perfect example. He wants to be a Buckeye. He's been at all the Ohio State stuff. He, 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 he's an Ohio kid. I think he was waiting for an Ohio State offer. And, and it may have come. Hey, who knows what would happen this summer. We know Ohio State, you know, slow plays some of the Ohio guys sometimes with their national board. But, hey, he jumped over and committed to Michigan, and he probably feels emboldened to do it because they've won two years in a row. Okay, and there is wind behind the sails at Michigan right now. So um, Michigan just built a program without beating Ohio State in forever that beat Ohio State. So, no, do you need to win this game to get great recruits? No, Michigan hasn't done it forever, and they won the game two years in a row. So I never get worried. I never think that five-star recruits losing one's the end of the world. We always like, oh, we lost uh, Tackett Curtis, or you lose this guy. The shift goes on. I mean, the, the, this is Ohio State. It's more about what these kids do when they get to campus than what, what they're doing their junior, senior year of high school and what we think about them then. Bill, we can only hope uh, Luke Hamilton does not approach his social media going forward the way Kyle Kalis did. Um, <laughs> that didn't work out well. Your thoughts on the, the Michigan thrust? Well, I think Mark did a, a good, a great job of, of summing things up. Um, yeah, again, I think there's a lot of good players in Ohio. Ohio State cannot take them all. Um, even when Jim Trestle was here, they couldn't take them all. Uh, they've, you've got to have some players nationally. 
if you have a class of 20 Ohioans, you know, even Jim Trestle wouldn't, didn't do anything along those lines. Um, the key is, I think, from Ohio State standpoint, is to make sure that they get the ones that they want. Uh, their evaluations are usually strong. Um, in fact, they're very strong. So they have to keep getting the ones they want. They've done that extremely well. They are certainly uh, on schedule to do that again with the class of 2023. They did not miss a kid in Ohio that they really wanted. Um, so they need to keep doing that. But as Mark points out, there's enough good players that you can uh, land some of those guys and develop them into to outstanding players, and, and that does happen. Um, so I think that, you know, they moving on to 2024, they've got a good start on that with Garrett Stover in Ohio. Uh, now they've got to continue on that track and get a good base. They've got to get Bryce West, for instance, out of Cleveland Glenville. Um, Elias Rudolph out of Cincinnati Tat. They've got to get those guys that they that they really want. And right now, Aaron Scott from, from Springfield, right now, um, they're they're in a good position for the guys they really want. Let's let's say that. And just so people know, it's it's pretty uncommon for an Ohio kid with an Ohio State offer to commit elsewhere. That doesn't really happen that that much. I mean, I can think of a few kids. Blake Miller comes to mind. Um, I mean, maybe Jordan Hicks or Spencer. I was just going to say Jordan the Hicks, day. and the fact that I got to go back to Jordan Hicks, and he just yeah, couldn't cover Tony Pollard down the sideline, means we're. Uh, I mean, my first Jordan Hicks tape, he was chasing around Braxton Miller. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't happen. And, and maybe the first time there's a kid with an Ohio State and Michigan offer and he chooses Michigan, we'll, we'll sit here on this podcast and say, hey, that's the day that the tide's changing. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you guys are right. Ohio State's getting what they want. But this is two years in a row of this, and Dan said it. It makes it harder. It makes Because Michigan hasn't got any. And they might get four or five kids here now in these next two classes, which that's double or triple what they've been getting. And a name I didn't mention, I, I definitely didn't mention, Jordan Marshall, the running back from Moeller. He's arguably a high State's top running back guy on their board for 2024, at least one of the very top ones. And he was at that game. Uh, Michigan's going to make, a, make a, a push for him. They, they absolutely would like to get him. And they're going to you know, say, hey, look at what our offensive line does. Look at our running backs. Look at Blake Corum. But the good news is, you know, from, from, from being in contact with Jordan after that game, you know, I think he likes Ohio State a lot. He's a stud, too, by the way. If you need to see a, a kid who is wise beyond it, I mean, he runs the ball beautifully for, for a kid who hasn't even hit his senior year yet. Ironically – Ironically, I was at the Moeller versus Springfield game, and it was uh, fourth quarter, two minutes left, fourth down and one, and they Marshawn lynched him. They faked it to him and gave it to a receiver on a reverse, and the receiver didn't get the first down, and that's how Moeller goes out. And as you guys are talking about this Ohio State running back who's the top of their board, I'm like, he just had a fourth and one for the state championship on the line. And, and I thought that was a great call. I'm not criticizing the call, but – Sometimes just give it to the Ohio State back and let him take you to the championship game. I always look at the salary cap when it comes to fourth down. Give it to the guy who makes the most money. That's the reason you paid him in the first place. I don't think Moeller is yet into the NIL game, but if you were to (laughs) make a relative statement, I think 
Jordan Marshall will be close to a max contract. All right, here's an interesting curveball that's entered the mix, and that is Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle has been hired as the head coach at Wisconsin. He was, in my opinion, the guy at Cincinnati that kind of moved the Michigan State D'Antonio vibe to Cincinnati where your biggest recruiting day of the year is the last day of Ohio State's camp where you don't get the offers and they pounce. I know Kentucky with the Stoopsian factor has has taken some of that, but Michigan State was essentially built during D'Antonio's run on you know, the B.J. Cunninghams of the world who were just a tier below the guys Ohio State was taking. Now you've got Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. Does he have more juice recruiting Ohio at Wisconsin, or did he have more juice recruiting Ohio at Cincinnati? William, your thoughts? Well, you know, I think for the the top-level guys, he's probably going to have more at Wisconsin because the – you know, Cincinnati's got a good program. I'm not putting them down at all. They went to the, the playoff last year, but I think Wisconsin's got the more, you know, the, the name. They're in the Big Ten. Uh, that's a big deal for Ohio kids. Um, Wisconsin's going to play at Ohio Stadium most yep. likely. If you go to Wisconsin sometime during your four years, they're going to play Ohio State. Um, so I, I think for the top, the higher level guys, they probably, you know, the bigger name is Wisconsin, in my opinion. But again, that's not to put down Cincinnati, um, but Wisconsin is the Big Ten. Mark, I, you, see I, it making a, you put putting a big emphasis on that and lining a staff up with more Ohio guys or mixing it up now so we can take advantage of a new area? I was going to say, part of what sold there was Luke. Luke was the selling point. So you give Luke a bigger castle and more gold, that's that's going to make Luke better. So Luke may not be going after as many Ohio guys at Wisconsin. Geographically, it may be a little tougher. That's that's quite a drive up there, and that's quite a ways over if you've done that. So that part of it, but he's going to be doing that same recipe in Ohio. Same thing Iowa State, Kentucky, Michigan State, they've all done. Where's Ohio State not getting? Where's their cutoff? And we're all going to fight there. But I think, he, like Bill said, on a national level, he's going to introduce himself into a whole new region of people that kind of see his magic or his glow, and it either works or it doesn't. Um, I think in Ohio, he got a couple extras because of the Ohio vibe, the Ohio kids recruiting Ohio and the success he had. But, yeah, now that he's in, like you said, so-called a bigger castle with more gold, that makes him a little more powerful. And I think the real reason he went there – is the other side of the Big Ten is winnable. You know, with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State over here, uh, you don't want to be one of the teams trying to fight them every year. But over there, you see Illinois winning it this year, or you think, wow. You know, I mean, I know USC and UCLA maybe, but he may be playing Ohio State, and if he wasn't good enough at Cincinnati for Ohio State to come get him, you go beat them with Wisconsin, you go anywhere you want now. So that may be something as far as these coaches are thinking, how do I get to my next step? Well, Wisconsin can provide me that where, hey, I, you know, Cincinnati might be maxed out. I got to the final four last year and, you know, that's not good enough to get me an Ohio State job or something like that or whatever the main goal may be for him down the road. But, yeah, Wisconsin was interesting until you start doing all that math. It is interesting because that was never really one of the schools that came up. I mean, Fickle's been the guy to talk about getting the next job for some time now. And I just never heard of Wisconsin. It was actually refreshing to have a news story pop out of nowhere for once and be surprised. Yeah, that was, that was out of nowhere yeah. and it's quiet and as left field as you can get in this day and age. 
Yep. So that was pretty cool. All right. This weekend is your Ohio High School State Championship Games. Not exactly a potpourri of Ohio State prospects. However, we will be there with bells on. Mark, you want to take us through, obviously, the one guy we'll be focused on who we have seen many times and no one wants to ever have anything to do with him, uh, our guy from Springfield, and then go from there. Yeah, of course, Springfield and uh, St. Ed's is the Division One game. That's the marquee game. Uh, Springfield's Aaron Scott. I think Bill saw him in a scrimmage. I think Bill saw him a couple weeks later. I've seen him. I just saw him play against Moeller last week. We've said this before. If you're going to watch a corner that's going to Ohio State, you're not going to see anything because no one's going to throw the ball his way. It's going to be a quiet night. Uh, but there's a lot of other guys. St. Ed's, do we know, like Luke Hamilton, is Ben Roebuck. Going to go to Michigan or Penn State, or is Ohio State going to come in? The Armstrong twins there have blown up. They have Michigan. They have Penn State. I remember seeing them at the Under Armour camp and talking to Steve Wolfong and those guys, and they were sleepers at that point. They were kids with Mac offers that, you know, no one was really talking about, and now they're as big as anybody. So there are other prospects in that game to take a look at. Uh, Anthony Brown and Thigpen, the receivers for Springfield, are off the charts. They really put on a show. And the quarterback for Springfield that transferred from Arcanium, what a great move he made. You know, I mean, coming from a small school, now you're in the Division One state championship game. Might make a movie about that kid. I mean, Mark him and his Taylor dad. Is yeah. a small school. Yeah. And his dad, his dad believed in him. You know, like uh, his dad was sending me emails kind of like, hey, no one's recruiting my kid out of here. Is it because it's a small school? And no, I thought he was always a great player. But now he's on display and there'll be no questions about that. So that's a nice little story if you're following that. It, and listen, it, hold on a second. That's that's no joke of a jump. Arcanum probably has what twenty five guys on their team, maybe. Yeah, it's okay. Definitely, definitely a jump. Weight, you could have a hundred guys working out in Springfield's weight room at one time. Okay, yeah. it's a factory, yeah, it, man. I'm not. Kidding. I mean, he has two of the best receivers in Ohio, and I don't know whose receivers are at Arcanum, but they're not even in the same zip code. So, and no offense, oh but God. but I mean. You're 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 dealing with two Big Ten talented receivers, Thick Penn and Anthony Brown are as good as it gets. Uh, we go to Division Two, uh, Cincinnati, Wyoming. C.J. Hester's the story there. He's headed to Western Michigan or whatever. He's the tailback. Uh, you know, I I haven't seen them play. It's the only team I haven't seen play, so I'm not you know sure if they have anything else or enough. Um, Division Three is uh, my hometown, Canfield, playing Bloom Carroll. Saw Bloom Carroll last week, and they have a huge offensive line. Uh, Canfield's a power team. Brock Lowry for Canfield is the best quarterback in Ohio. He's headed to Indiana. Uh, I, I would give the edge to Canfield, but that might be my homer blood, you know, saying that. And I've seen both teams play. It's a, it's going to be a pretty, you know, quick game. Both teams run the ball so much. The first half may be done in 45 minutes. Uh, Division four, Glenville. Um, oh, they're playing Wyoming. I'm sorry. I, I skipped down a division. Uh I don't know if Wyoming will have enough to deal with Glenville. And I said that last night on the news to someone else that you could put division four uh, Glenville with division one, division two, II, division three, and you're going to have a tough game from Glenville. I mean, they have three kids with Ohio state offers, Witten, uh, Bryce West and Arvell Reese. They got Freddie Johnson and some other guys uh, Keaton Murray with Kentucky and other offers. Uh, they got a bunch of seniors. We really don't talk about that much that have Mac offers, that type of stuff. So Glenville is probably the most loaded team. You know, if we want to talk about Ohio State guys, no, those guys are in there. Uh, Division five is South Range and Ironton. I went down to Ironton this summer. Jock Keskey's their tailback headed to Wisconsin. Uh, he just got Luke Fickle as a head coach. He's happy. 
Now, Trevor Carter and their receiver, and I can't think of his name right now, are both headed to Cincinnati from Ironton. They just lost Luke Fickle. So how about that locker room? We just got the guy that, you, you know, so those kids are probably talking about that. That'll be interesting. And who knows if those kids, <coughs> excuse me, will stay with uh, Cincinnati now that Luke's not there. I've seen Cincinnati's probably lost three or four decommitments, and I don't mean to yeah. digress right now. Just there's an interesting team. So South Range might have one of the best coaches in the whole thing. Yoke Jagley over at South Range in Canfield's unreal. His staff's unreal. They have a puncher's chance, but, boy, I mean, that's a – very talented Ironton team, which all they care about is a state championship. They wake up in the morning talking state championship. You're getting more of a Hoosiers feel out of South Range. Uh, Division six, help me out. Uh, I know I know JFK is locally in Division seven, and Division six, I'm drawing a blank on. Is it Marion local? And uh, Kirtland. Kurt, there you go. And the only reason yeah, I know Kurt, that is because, by the way, they play every single year. Yeah, and. <laughs> Kirtland is so impressive. I mean, Mentor is the biggest Division One school in Ohio, and they can't possibly use all the talent they have. And where does it all filter to if it doesn't go to Mentor Lake Kirtland? Small little school right there down the street. So if, if you don't play at Mentor Lake or Mentor in one of the biggest cities up there, Kirtland has done a great job of every year. I, I just So you have to go with them. Uh, and I'm hoping JFK locally will do it's a rematch in New Brenham. Uh, Brenham got them uh, two years ago in the state championship game. So maybe JFK will get even with them this year. Uh, so really for Ohio State, you have the Glenville kids and, you know, uh, the St. Ed's and Springfield game is where you focus your attention. So one of my son's good buddies here in our town, uh, his dad was the fourth of four brothers to start at safety for Marion Local. So they are the team that pencils in the state championship to their schedule in a template form before the year. Yeah. That's not a variable for them. So that's, that should be really impressive. And Kirtland is the home of Lulong Carr, who was the best football player at UD when I went there, a middle linebacker. His sons have come through there and been stars as well. So if you want to see yeah, some I good high school football at many different levels, and what you said was important, there's talent at every level in Ohio. There are some states you go to Division Seven, and it's almost flag football. Uh, not in Ohio. I, I forgot uh, the Hoban versus uh, Toledo Central Catholic Division Two game. Mm -hmm. I skipped over that. And ironically, we were talking about offensive linemen today. Check out William Satterwhite from uh, Archbishop Hoban. He was a part of our breakdown. And Mark, maybe, from uh, Toledo Central Catholic, another offensive lineman. I think those are two kids that their stock has definitely gone up this year. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, that offensive line for Toledo Central Catholic is enormous, and that's usually what I say about Hoban's offensive line. So th that's going to be a game. And, and Navy is a kid that uh, he went to an Ohio State game earlier this season. Ohio State brought him in for a visit and all, and he, he, he really enjoyed that visit to Ohio State. If Ohio State uh, does go on him, yeah, that's a, definitely a kid I could see uh, picking picking the Buckeyes, no question. We have hit the 30-minute mark. We are legally obligated to boogie here. We appreciate these guys stopping by. We'll be back next week. We hope everyone is getting back to normal and the fog is starting to clear. Life will go on. Everybody needs to be glued to that TV on Friday night and get their Utah Utes <laughs> gear ready. If not, it should be a wild ride after that. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Oh, God.